So what are you thankful for? You'd think that'd be an easy question to answer. Yet, how often does the speed of life blind us? How often are the blessings we experience blurred by the chaos we walk in? While we're busy trying to keep up, do we fail to recognize all that we have to be grateful for? Of course we do. We're all guilty of it. Life has a way of chiseling away at a heart of gratitude. What if we could stop, pause in the moment, take a breath, take a beat, and recognize the incredible work of God which surrounds us? What if the intensity of the day-to-day could be stilled by the peace of thanksgiving? What if we could practice the words of Scripture and give thanks in everything? Perhaps these are the questions we need to ask ourselves. Maybe, if we look hard enough, we can see past everything life throws at us and see the beauty of a life spent giving thanks. So, what are you thankful for? kind of interesting. Four lessons learned by writing 1,024 gratitude lists. This is by author and blogger Christian, or Chris Winfield who shares his thoughts on gratitude. Why did this have to happen to me? It didn't matter if it was something big, my dog gets cancer, a good friend dies, or something little, flight is delayed, spilled something on my shirt. I was in a constant state of poor me. Then, this all started to change once I began writing a gratitude list every single day for the past 34 plus months. And it has changed my life profoundly. Here are the four most important things I've learned on my gratitude journey. Number one, it's hard, number one, it's hard at first. My mentor told me to text him three things that I'm grateful for every day. Sounds pretty easy, right? Well, it wasn't. When you've lived most of your life not focusing on gratitude, it's not so simple to change that. Secondly, there is always something to be grateful for. No matter what was going on in my life, business problems, I was sick, someone cut me off in traffic, there was always something that I could find to be grateful for. My health, my daughter's smile, etc. Three, gratitude. Gratitude grows the more you use it. My gratitude list started off very basic and I struggled to find things to be grateful for, especially on the really tough days. But once I, constant, once I consistently took action, it became easier and easier. And number four, it can help stop the negative thought patterns. According to the Laboratory of Neuroimaging, the average person has about 70,000 thoughts each day. There's one big problem with this. The vast majority of these thoughts are negative. Gratitude can work to Stop these negative thought patterns by replacing it with something positive. Wow, I thought that was really pretty good. And so we have today a day of Thanksgiving. And I was thinking about when you think about today and you think about just what he said there, this idea of being intentional with our gratitude. I wonder if, if we ever tend to do that. If anybody here does that, I know I don't do it enough and it makes me think 
Um, he, he talks about, you know, changing those negative thoughts in your mind. I would just the other day, you know, like I've got three or four pairs of reading glasses and I try to keep a pair, you know, upstairs and a pair down by my computer. And I go down to my computer the other day to do some work and I sit down and there's no reading glasses there. And I'm like, oh, you idiot, Bill. And I go upstairs. It's like, and I think, how many times do I call myself an idiot for things? You know, it's like, it's like reinforcing uh, bad things in yourself. And I think we all can tend to do that. So it's good to be intentional with our Thanksgiving. I was thinking though about this idea of you know Mother's Day and Father's Day or you have, uh, you have Memorial's Day or Veterans Day or Independence Day or and of course you have Christmas and Easter and now Thanksgiving. And I thought about they all share something in common like we should honor and respect our parents every day, right? And we should be thankful for our freedom and for those who gave up their life or who served so that we can have this freedom. We should every day... And so it's kind of like Thanksgiving. It's like we should be thankful every day and grateful every day. But there is one day a year that just kind of reminds us of this reality and kind of reorients our focus to say, hey, am I intentionally being thankful? And how can I be more thankful in the year ahead? And hopefully today we can reinforce some of that. So I think that's pretty powerful. And then today we're going to look at a story of Thanksgiving we're going to look at the story where the, the ten lepers were who were healed and then the one leper who turned around and came back to give thanks. And it really is a pretty uh, amazing little story. Not many verses here, but th there's so many things you can glean out of this and, and we'll just try to pull some of those things out today to help us think about our own intention intentionality when it comes to giving thanks. Um, let me just read the story here and then we'll start to work our way through it. Luke 17, 11, on the way to Jerusalem. He was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, Jesus was. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now before we jump into this short encounter that Jesus had, let me give you this morning's big idea that will just kind of set the table for us here. True gratitude is not an emotional response. It is an intentional choice. True gratitude is not an emotional response, it is an intentional choice. And there are times when our emotions may cause us to be grateful, and that's okay. But ultimately, true, genuine gratitude will transcend our emotions, and it will be an, the intentionality of the choices that we deliberately make in life. So let's turn our attention then back to this encounter with Jesus and these 10 lepers and let's just see what we can learn. Here's the first lesson. Five biblical lessons on Thanksgiving. So we saw four lessons and I'll make a comment maybe if I remember about those four lessons later and juxtapose them against these five lessons here on Thanksgiving. But here we go. Number one, be a part of the minority and give thanks. Be a part of the minority and give thanks. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back praising God and then Jesus answered, we're not ten cleansed, where are the nine? And, and I just, that just kind of jumped out to me and maybe this isn't a, a literal point that God intended. Maybe it is, but when you look at the story, well, let's do the odds. Ten percent gave thanks. So you know what? Let's be part of the ten percent and let's give thanks. How about that? And the truth is when you think about it, 
most people spend more time complaining about what's wrong than celebrating what's right. This is just, it's just kind of like we get our mind wired that way and we need to stop and just really be intentional to say, okay, why can I be thankful in this situation? And for believers, this should certainly be the case. In fact, if you choose to be a grateful person who is thankful even when things go south, you will indeed stand out. And here's what Paul wrote to the Philippians in chapter 2. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Then you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world holding fast to the word of life. When you choose a grateful spirit over a griping spirit, you'll be a bright light in a dark world. Just keep that in mind. How beautiful that is and we can be if we choose to be the 10 percent we can be that bright light now here's the reality when you think about this issue is nothing will steal our gratitude quicker than entitlement will nothing when when we have an entitled mentality it just steals our joy in fact um let, let, let me let me give you of course you think about entitlement it's it's that i deserve this or i'm you know i, I should have something and when i don't get it well then, of course, that's going to steal my gratitude. A great example of this is when is the last time you went in to the place you work, to your boss, and you said, hey, thank you for my paycheck this week. I don't want to thank you for my paycheck. We don't say thanks for our paycheck every week. Why? Because I'm entitled to it. Because I earned it. Because they owe it to me. So, I, of course, I'm not grateful. Now, but take the other flip side. Say that you own a business say that you run a store or something and people come in and they shop at your store lots of times you check out at a store and they say thank you for shopping here and why do they say thank you why if you own a store do you intentionally say thank you to people who shop at your store or come to get your hair cut <laughs> you know at your at your place because you know they can take their business anywhere they want you're not entitled to, the, to their business so when they come and give it to you you're like hey thank you i appreciate that when we feel entitled, it steals our, it steals our, uh, it steals our gratitude. Yes. Um, and studies have proven this time and time and time again. But look at this. Look at the, the uh, another little passage here in Philippians that Paul writes, weighs in again. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have re revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be both brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And here's the simple reality. Nothing will breed contentment like gratitude will. I mean, really, if you're content, I mean, it's hard not to be a grateful person if you're just content. Even in the most difficult situations, which Paul talks about here, and I think that is really powerful. And so just keep this simple reality in mind in this story. 10% gave thanks. Be a part of the 10%. Be a part of the minority. Say, I'm going to be a thankful person. I'm going to be a grateful person. I'm going to be a, a bright light in a dark world with my gratitude. And true gratitude is not an emotional response. It is an intentional choice. And there are certainly times, if that's what my gratitude is rooted in, a lot of times I won't be grateful because my emotions will say otherwise, right? Here's a second lesson. Giving thanks takes time and is a deliberate choice. So giving thanks takes time and is a deliberate choice. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back. So the man in the mi minority here is the one who stopped, 
came back to tell Jesus, thank you. Now, we need to understand the context a little. So Jesus comes into this village, and these lepers are all over there at a distance. And if you were a leper, you were kind of isolated from society. And so they're over there, and uh, they can't approach Jesus. They're not allowed to approach Jesus because they are unclean. Now, the truth is they could have approached Jesus. Anyone could have approached Jesus. That's a simple little lesson for all of us today. Whatever need you've got, just know that you can approach Jesus. In fact, can I just say that sometimes we have needs, like these 10 leopards, we have needs that only Jesus can meet. When I think about Cliff Tulsi, who had that stroke, and I think about his wife Carrie, and I think about their family, they're in a situation, they have a need that only Jesus can meet. And that need is not necessarily that God comes down and heals Cliff physically because he may not do that. But the need they have is to spiritual strength and emotional strength. It's the verse uh, we just read, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's, what, that's where that verse applies in life, right there. When you're going through those dark circumstances and it's Christ who gives us the strength to endure. So going back to the story here, here's the reality. The lepers were social outcasts and the priests would welcome them back into society. That's kind of the way it worked. And so you would go because you, you've been isolated from your family and your home and your, your, your paycheck and from the temple worship. Every, you've been isolated. And so when you were clean, you would go back and you would say, you know, look, no more leprosy, right? And uh, you'd get a clean bill and you could come back into society again. And so that's kind of what's going on here. This is why Jesus tells the lepers, go to the priest and show yourself to the priest and then you can get back, uh, you can get, you know, assimilated back into society and life. Now what's fascinating in the story is the 10 lepers, they do, uh, when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourself to the priests." And as they went, they were cleansed. Note that as they went, they were cleansed. And so here's what's really interesting here is that the 10 left for the priests before they were healed, demonstrating some level of faith. Something's going on here. They, they, they ask Jesus, they call him Jesus Master, they ask him to heal them. There must have been some kind of faith going on here. And uh, as they leave, as they step out in faith and obey God, they then find some healing. I was thinking about an interesting thing though. Like there's 10 of them here, right? And so they're told to go to Jesus and be healed and they all go collectively. I thought, if, what if it had been one person or two persons? And like if you're standing there alone and Jesus says, well, go to the priest and uh, okay, and you'd look at yourself and you'd be like, but I got leprosy. That's the point. I can't go to the priest. I got leprosy. But somehow when there's 10 of them, it's like no one wants to be the one to, to doubt Jesus or to not have faith or whatever. And so they all head off together. And I think it's interesting that it's easy to obey God when the whole crowd is. When the whole crowd's doing the right thing, it's easy, right? And so I think that's kind of maybe subtly going on in this story here when all 10 of them just take off together for Jesus. And as they take off, as they obey him, they are healed. And this is when the one man, though, this is what's so fascinating, this one man does what is so difficult. One man went against the tide, returned to Jesus, and gave thanks. And you can just kind of almost think what the other ten are like, what's he doing? Oh, look at that holier-than-thou guy, you know? I mean, come on, should we go back and give thanks? No, he, he told us to go to the priest. It's like, let's do what he said. It's working, we're, we're healed. I wouldn't mess up the plan. But one of them has the, the, the ability to step out of the crowd, the audacity to step out of the crowd and go back and, and actually give thanks in a very intentional manner. And I thought that was really pretty, full, pretty profound. 
One thing I was thinking about this when I thought about Thanksgiving and its intentionality, I was thinking about the spiritual disciplines. Which, you know, spiritual disciplines are, you know, reading your Bible and studying your Bible and, you know, memorizing scripture, prayer, things like that, evangelism, uh, you know, worship and fellowship and all these things. And I thought about it. I thought, I have never seen, I have never seen anywhere giving thanks on a list of spiritual disciplines. And I'm like, maybe it should be. Maybe it should be on the, but I did hear one person kind of weigh in because I, I Googled it then to see, well, let's see if anybody put this on a list anywhere and no one had. And one person put the comment on there though about the idea that, that it's like, you know, giving thanks should come from a place of joy, not obligation. And I'm like, well, all of those disciplines should come from a place of joy and not obligation. Like, if I read the Bible or if I pray, it shouldn't be like, oh, I've got to read the Bible today. It should be, I want to read the Bible today. I want to pray. I, I, I want to I fellowship and worship and all of that stuff. So I don't think that is a good reason to leave it off a list. And in fact, maybe what that does is kind of shows us the dark side of, of spiritual disciplines. Not that they're always bad, but if we turn them into obligations and we, we rip the joy out of them, then yeah, maybe then it takes something away from all of those things. And so we want to look at all of these things and I would say we need to be intentional and disciplined when it comes to giving joy, realizing it leads to a much, 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 much fuller life indeed. Just a, a couple of things here. So there's, there's it. Should giving, I'll give you the question. Should giving thanks be one of the spiritual disciplines? You know, if we read our Bible and pray and, and have this, you know, all the things we do, that are disciplines in life, should we add this to that list? You can weigh that out in your mind. But just a couple of verses here that I think are interesting. Paul has three primary passages that talk about this intentionality of giving thanks. Colossians 3.15, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And this is one of those passages, and it is so powerful, and we've unpacked this in the past, but just as a, a little bit of a reminder what's going on here in there, in... in, in um, I didn't put this part on the screen here. But in verse 15, he says, be thankful. In verse 17, he says, giving thanks. And in verse, uh, if you look here, look at verse 16. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness. There's the Greek word, charis, in your hearts to God. With thankfulness. And, and the, the Berean study Bible says, with gratitude. So with thankfulness, another translation says with gratitude. And the New King James says with grace. And, and so it's the same Greek word. It's translated three different ways. And here's what's going on here. What, what is so, verse 15 is be thankful. And that's um, uh, herostasos. I can, never, I can never remember when I get up here. Here is stasos. And then here is steo is giving thanks in verse 17. This is, we talked about this, where the, the Catholics get the, the Eucharist for giving thanks. But this middle word tells us the key because this middle word is actually the word charis. It's, it's the root word of those other two words for giving thanks. And this word here actually is the word used for grace throughout the Bible. So whenever the word grace comes up in your Bible, it's usually this Greek word charis. And so the reality is to understand grace is the root of gratitude. So being intentional about my gratitude just means I need to focus on the grace that God has poured out into my life. 
And be very intentional to note that. Grace is the root of gratitude. A couple of other passages where Paul's very intentional here is Ephesians 5. Be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks everything and for everyone always. That's pretty tough, right? That can be difficult. Giving thanks for everything and everyone always. And then the third verse of this trifecta is 1 Thessalonians 5. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing, giving thanks in all circumstances, but for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And just this idea of giving thanks in all circumstances. And again, it doesn't say giving thanks for all circumstances, but giving thanks in all circumstances, which is a different dynamic. Some circumstances I might not be grateful for, but I can go through them with thanksgiving. Giving thank, being thankful for everything that's going on in my life as God is working his will out in my life so pretty pretty significant there pretty significant there again true gratitude is not an emotional response it is an intentional choice and the root of my gratitude is indeed grace and we can be known as a grateful person at the same time even as a grateful minded individual there are times we need to be deliberate in stopping to give thanks here's a third idea of all people, God's children should be the most grateful. Of all people on the earth, God's children should indeed be the most grateful. And the passage makes the point here that the one who came back, he called him a foreigner, he was a Samaritan. The Samaritan is the one who came back. Now, the fact is, everybody today has reasons to be thankful. Everybody that walks on the earth has reasons to be grateful. But those of us who have been adopted into his family should be the most thankful people. And so here, I think the Samaritan in some senses represents the one who is really not a part of God's family, at least not nationally. He's not a Jew. He's a Samaritan. But then maybe in some ways he is a part of God's family in, in, a, different, in a different vein. The thing that's interesting is that God on occasion showed the Samaritans in a favorable light. You maybe remember the three instances, the woman at the well that Jesus met who was a Samaritan, who he, you know, led her to Christ and then she wins her whole village to Christ, basically. And then you remember the story of the good Samaritan where the priest and rabbi kind of walked on by the beaten up man and it was the Samaritan who did the good thing and stopped and helped and we've talked about that before of course but then in this dynamic the one that comes back to give thanks is the Samaritan and it's almost like Jesus is kind of at times focusing saying what I don't see in my own people I see in these that are not my people and then maybe these that are not my people really are my people because it's it's always comes down to our, our relationship with God based on grace and faith and that is really the dynamic that is going on throughout the scriptures Think about back again how these people come along. Look, look at verse 19. He, they, they say, um, oh, that's, that's uh, not what I wanted. Okay, well, I would just, I, let me go back here a minute. They call out to Jesus, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. That's back in verse uh, 13. And I, think, I find that curious because I, I'm not really sure by the way they respond to him if they really look at him as their master. It's like they don't come back. They don't say thank you. They don't acknowledge him. They just kind of go on their way. And yet this one does, this one does actually come back. And I think there is something significant about 
the way he responded. Now, note that verse here, now verse 19. At the very end, it, Jesus, he comes back and Jesus says, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. And I, what does that mean? Like, I was trying to think about how this works. Like, didn't all of them have faith? And weren't all of them made well? So I don't understand, unless he's talking about something more than just physical healing, did something happen in this man's heart? Did something different happen in this man's heart that maybe the others did not experience? I think that kind of seems to be the case. While the other nine were physically healed, something spiritual seemed to happen to this man. And trying to explain it even to myself was kind of tough. It's like, how do I, how do I understand this? Now, I'm not saying this man was saved and had a relationship with God because he gave thanks. I don't think that's the reality either. I think the reality is that he gave thanks because he was saved, because something did happen in his life. Something happened in his heart. And because something happened in his heart, he then was saved. And he gave thanks just because of what had happened to him in his heart. Uh, let me try to explain a little bit of what I'm thinking about here. Because I think the, the nine are in, in, impacted by this, but I wonder if this one man isn't, isn't impacted on a deeper level when jesus healed him physically of his leprosy is it possible that he saw something in jesus that the others didn't that while they all believe this man believed in something deeper which means when he comes back to give thanks it is a response to something that occurred in his heart and so jesus says your faith has made you well and i, I thought about that how much faith did it take to come back and say hey jesus thanks for healing me did that take a lot of faith to come back and say hey thanks for healing me i knew you could do it that's why i asked you is that the faith that Jesus is talking about? Or is, is he talking about a deeper faith, a work in his life that he came back because he saw something in Jesus that he believed in? And I think this is a window into his soul and a spiritual work that has been done in his life. And again, I'm not saying this in the sense that he was like chosen or elected like we talk about sometimes that people believe that he was like God chose him to come back and, and give thanks and, and God saved him for that purpose. Um, I think... All 10 of them could have come back. And Jesus said as much, but only one actually comes back and gives thank and I, thanks. And I think something happened in his life. So he wasn't saved by giving thanks, but he gave thanks because he was saved. Because, because I think something happened in his heart in that moment. He saw something in Jesus the others didn't. The truth is all of mankind has a reason to be thankful. It's just that we as God's adopted children have all the more reason, right? Matthew 5, 45, for he the father makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. So God is being favorable. He's being gracious to every single person that walks the planet. But, but, but boy, if you've been adopted into his family, if you have been saved by his grace, whoa, we should be all the more grateful and thankful. A few years back on Thanksgiving Day, Maybe some of you will remember this. There was a couple that visited that was from out of town and they had a, an interesting story and they were here for a few months staying from out of town. And um, after the service, I had talked about something in the service. Afterward, they talked about how they were very intentional that every day, uh, you know, uh, her and her husband got up and they spent 15 minutes every day, you know, writing their gratitude lists and, and being grateful for things. And it was a really, it was really, Kind of like that opening story. That's kind of what they did every day. 
But what was really fascinating to me as, I, as the morning unfolded, as I conversed with them more and more, I honestly left a little sad because I don't even know if they really knew Christ. I don't know if they really understood the gospel. And I tried to plug it in and I tried to share it. I tried to share it that morning. I, I know in the message and I tried to share it with them kind of. And um, hey, they had learned how to give thanks. There are a lot of people in the world today that don't know Christ that, that they are very disciplined at giving thanks. They realize it leads to a much fuller and healthier and, and life but they don't know Christ. My, my point is those of us who know Christ, we of all people should be the most thankful people on the planet. And I was thinking about this. See, anyone can give thanks and has reason to give thanks. Only those who know Christ, though, can truly find purpose in thanking the giver of life. You see, it's not just the giving of thanks that adds meaning to our life. It is who we are giving thanks to. It's who we're giving thanks to. So again, we need to be intentional. This isn't just about an emotional response. It is about an intentional choice. And this leads right into our next lesson that gratitude is an, ex- is an expression of worship. That gratitude is ultimately an expression of worship. I think that is so powerful. When you look at this man, it says, Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face, fell at on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. So more than just saying thank you, he is worshiping at this moment. He is worshiping Jesus because he has seen who Jesus really is. Now, I think we would all agree with this, right? Oh, there it is right there. But we would all agree we are to worship God for who he is, not merely what he has done. And and this is really important because if we worship God simply for what he has done, our worship can be very fickle. Our worship can suffer. When you go through dark times, when you go through times like the Tulsis are going through, it's like if you just worship God for what he's done, it's going to be hard when you go through those difficult times. But if you worship God for who he is and you worship his character and you know that he's unchanging and that despite what's going on in your life, he is good and gracious and loving and he will be your strength then. Then, yes. That's where we need to be. And, and that's why our, our gratitude is actually an expression then of worship. We should worship him for his glory, his beauty, his power, his wisdom, his goodness, and his faithfulness. The fact that he is unchanging. Now the reality is our worship really needs to transcend Our worship really needs to transcend our circumstances. It does. And when our worship does transcend our circumstances, you know, something powerful happens in my life. It's like I, myself, can then transcend my circumstances. That carries me through. Sometimes it empowers me in my circumstances to get the most out of those circumstances and to hear exactly what God wants me to hear. Fascinating story in Acts uh, 16. Maybe you remember this story. And Paul's out doing his evangelistic work and there's this woman who's got a demonic spirit and she's trailing Paul all around and she's mocking him kind of but saying, oh, look at, look at the miracles he does and he, look how great he is. And, and she's just mocking him and annoying him and driving him crazy until finally he can't take it anymore and he just casts the demon out of the woman. 
Well, okay, that's great, you know, and I, the demons out of this woman, how great. The problem is she had some handlers that used her to make money, and so now her handlers are upset because their money maker is now no longer able to make them money. She can't, she can't tell, you know, prophesy things or, or predict things or whatever she was doing for them in that sense. And so they get really upset and so they start throwing accusations and false you know lies and things out and and it, before it all wraps up the crowd kind of joins in and they're they're attacking Paul and Silas and they're beating them and the magistrates take them in and they beat them with clubs and then they throw them in prison about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. They're sitting in a prison. They've been beaten. Their, their feet and hands, they're in stocks, and they're in this prison. And about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And I look at that story, and I think there's a literal lesson there, right? This literally happened, and God has the power to shake those prison doors, and he made a great statement of who he was and who Paul was, how he was working through Paul, and what a great thing. And Paul has the ability to go on and lead this Philippian jailer to Christ and his whole household, and that was Paul's whole that's what Paul was all about. So Paul was thrilled and he celebrated through this adversity. He, he rejoiced in this adversity and uh, even more so that he got to lead this Philippian jailer to Christ. And it's an amazing, amazing thing. I think there's a literal thing, but I think there's an allegorical lesson here too. That when we go through circumstances, that if we, as we go through these really hard circumstances, if we just worship our way through them, it will empower us. God may not literally shake the walls of our prison cell he may not literally uh, physically stop the circumstances we're in but he can help us overpower we can be set free from the lies that want to taunt us the attacks that come against us the emotions that want to imprison us and the circumstances that want to control us and this happens yet today like i don't think very often today god is going to shake the walls of the prison and set you free just normally isn't going to do that Cliff Tulsi and his wife, they may not get the healings they need. They may die, but he will empower them in a different way. He'll set them free from everything they're going through in a different way, and he'll take care of their family. We see this all the time overseas in other countries where those who worship Christ, who follow Christ, are persecuted for their faith, who are jailed for their faith, and God doesn't shake the prison doors and, 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 and set them free, but he certainly helps them overcome. And they go to their death sometimes proclaiming the name of Christ, rejoicing and celebrating, just as we saw two weeks ago with Peter, right? We saw two weeks ago with Peter and the apostles that they rejoiced, that they celebrated the fact that they were counted worthy to suffer for the name of Christ. That made me think about that word rejoice. And I came up with a definition for the word rejoice here. But our worship can transcend our circumstances and set us free. Just know that that our worship can transcend our circumstances and set us free from the enemy's intentions who wants to defeat us through those circumstances. But here's a great definition for rejoice. Rejoice is a gratitude-infused worship. Just think about that. 
A gratitude-infused worship. And you just look throughout the Bible and you can see that. When the shepherds rejoiced at the angel's announcement that Jesus was born, that was a gratitude-infused worship. They were grateful because they had been waiting for the Messiah. They were expecting him to come. And here he came to them out in the middle of the field. The angels came with a great announcement. The wise men rejoiced at the star. Again, it was a gratitude-infused worship as they were grateful for that star that led them to Christ. And as I was looking at this, I was reminded of something I had forgotten we've talked about before we talked about this earlier in the message and I had put that in there I forgot about this point right that the root of gratitude is grace but you know what the root of grace is Do you remember what the root of grace is the root of grace is joy and I think that is so actually absolutely phenomenal there is that you you Herostos is thanksgiving Kares is grace and karo is joy and rejoice. And so they're all interconnected there and the word grace comes from the word joy. And this word thanksgiving comes from the word grace. I think that is so incredibly powerful. What a great working definition. When we rejoice, it is a gratitude-infused worship. Paul, over here in Romans 5, 1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. He goes on, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And he rejoiced in his suffering. He rejoiced in his suffering. Yes, indeed, he did. Wow. A gratitude-infused worship. In fact, in verse 11, he ends this, speaking about our salvation. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Gratitude-infused worship. And this Samaritan leper, that is also his response. He has a gratitude-infused worship. More than just saying thanks, he is offering worship. So we need to know that. True gratitude is not an emotional response. It is an intentional re, intentional choice. And finally, I'll give you one last one. before. What do we learn today before I give you this last one? Be a part of the minority. Be a part of the 10% and give thanks. And then giving thanks takes time and is a deliberate choice so we need to deliberately give thanks and then of all people God's children should be the most grateful we should be the most grateful of all people and then gratitude is an expression of worship gratitude is an expression of our worship and I'll give you this one last one here gratitude changes my focus Gratitude changes my focus. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back praising God. And you think about this man, this leper that is healed. Before all this unfolds, right, this man is focused on what? He's focused on himself and his need to be healed. And once he is, once he is healed, gratitude, when he, when he takes the time to stop and be grateful, all the other ten are still focused on themselves and getting back to life and getting to the priest and getting assimilated back into society. But this one, because he's grateful, his focus changes and now he is going back and focused on Christ. And he's giving thanks and worshiping Christ. And nothing will bring our life more meaning and more joy than that simple 
reality. So here's what I have for you in your handouts, and if you didn't pick up, you can take one home if you want. But let me walk through this gratitude response I am thankful for, and I'm going to just open the floor here in a second and let anybody that wants to maybe throw something out there and give thanks for something. But a gratitude response I am thankful for, and I'll give you some examples like uh, these are kind, kind of the things that as you think through these, as I read through these, maybe one of these will resonate with you and you can just kind of hold on to it and, and you can think, yeah, I could say something about that. And of course, something brief because we want to go down and eat here. But um, for one, the adversity I face that develops my character, like how about that? Like changing our focus and the adversity I face that develops my character, I am thankful for that adversity. I am thankful for the need that I have that shows me God's provision. Talk about a change of focus again, right? This need I have, I'm so thankful for it because it shows me, it showed me how God provided in my life, much like the Tulsi's are going through. And what are you going through? Three, the blessings I've experienced that reveal God's goodness. The blessings I've experienced that reveal God's goodness. Um, how about this number four? The word of God that speaks God's truth. Maybe, maybe this past year there has been something that you have read at home, you studied personally. Maybe there's something you've heard here on a Sunday morning or something we've studied together here that has just resonated with you. Just a simple truth, just a, like a one-line thought that has really stuck with you. Uh, how about the, the blood-stained cross that expresses God's heart? Maybe this past year you've experienced God's grace in a very profound way and you've just been so blessed by his goodness and his grace to you, seen through the cross and at the same time the empty tomb that demonstrates God's power. Maybe you've experienced his power in your life in a powerful way that resonates. And then just two more here. The, blood, the body of Christ that displays God's beauty. Maybe there's some way the church ministered to you this year. Someone in the church ministered to you. A fellow brother or sister in Christ ministered to you. How has the body of Christ displayed God's beauty? And then the gift of worship that pours out my praise. The gift of worship that pours out my praise. I was even thinking, is there a song this last year that you heard on the radio? Is there a song that we sing here on Sunday morning that really resonates? Sometimes people come up and I'll, I'll hear from somebody else, boy, so-and-so really likes that song. It really blesses them. Maybe, maybe there's a song we've done here that would resonate with you. But what, a, what a grateful way to just kind of respond this morning and to respond as we think this week over this message. You can take these questions home. Is there a need, adversity, or blessing I am thankful for? Is it a biblical truth from this year that has stuck with me? Where have I experienced God's grace or power this past year? And then how has the church or a brother or sister ministered to me this past year? Is there a favorite song that we sing that has resonated with me this past year? Let's sing this song, Christ, uh, yet not I, but Christ in me. And then um, I'll just open this up and let anybody share that wants to, to share for a second. If you want to throw something out, if you don't, that's fine. We'll go down and eat. Let's, sit, let's stand together and let's sing. Well, I'd encourage you to take that list home and just reflect on it this week yourself and think of all the reasons you have to intentionally be thankful and it does lead to a much better life. And the point was is that the opening guy had those four lessons and they're great lessons and he learned those lessons being intentional with his Thanksgiving. Truth is, I don't know if that guy was saved. I don't know, but we got five biblical lessons today from this man, this leper that came back. And um, you can learn a lot of simple lessons in life to be grateful, but um, knowing Christ gives you all the reason to really 
celebrate. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the meal waiting for us down at the end of uh, the hall today. And sorry for those that couldn't make it out in this weather. So grateful for all of us who did. I pray you'll just bless our time fellowshipping together and enjoying this meal together. And Lord, thank you for your goodness. And as was said, Lord, we take you for granted far too often. Lord, make us more aware of your goodness and your grace and just who you are. And may we be intentional in, in giving you uh, rejoicing, giving you that grace-infused worship that's, that, 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 that worships you because of who you are and not just because of what you've done. And one last time today, I lift up the Tulsi family and ask you to pour out your mercy and grace in their life. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen.